Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. Your normal host, uh, moderator, panel leader, Simone de Rochefort, <laughs> is at the theater being fancy. So I'm your host, Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, joined, as always, by Rebellion Pack uh, Executive executive leader director. executive yeah, director. director okay see this is this is why i need like someone here executive director of rebellion pack brianna Wu. brianna how are you i'm doing the opposite of being classy at the theater i'm getting ready for some far cry 6 which gets released tonight so yeah just trashy as hell to be honest i love it i love it and i am no longer sick um so thank you dan warren yeah. for filling in with a filling in for us last week how what are it, you doing by the way I'm, yeah. I'm finally better i um i just want to say real quickly first this episode is brought to you by squarespace but yes i am finally better i had um i had like one hell of a sinus infection uh mm-hmm. it was not the rona but it was like one hell of a sinus infection completely kicked my ass so uh i'm i was out of commission for like a solid week it was pretty bad but i'm i'm yeah. i'm good now um i'm not I'm like glad to hear that i'm not like i perfect but i'm a lot better yeah, I mean, it was, we were playing the show on Tuesday, and you're just like, y'all, I'm not going to be here. I feel like crap. I'm not going to be there. And I was like, okay. And then you didn't tweet for the entire day. You know, I'm like, okay, that's really serious stuff. Exactly. It's like, it's like you, people were checking in, but they were like, you're, you're not tweeting. I'm like, yeah, I'm sleeping. I'm sick. <laughs> like, this is, this is not... <laughs> This is this is not funny business. Um, okay, so we have a big show uh, today. Uh, we're going to talk about the the uh, first big story is, is Facebook stuff. Facebook whistleblower um, uh, uh, went public, um, gave a lot of documents to the Wall Street Journal, and then um, showed her face, testified in front of Congress. Facebook then went down, which was funny. Uh, we're then going to talk about uh, uh, some um, epic hacks that have happening that, um, like, honestly, uh, hug ops to the people at Twitch, and then we're going to follow things up with the. Some delightful dessert about everyone's favorite media startup that we hadn't heard about until last <laughs> week, uh, Aussie. But before we get into that, Brianna, you have some news that you're going to share. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I have too many projects, Christina. I have too much stuff to do, and I need more stuff to do, like a hole in the head. But uh, <laughs> a few months ago, uh, some people came to me, uh, Hollywood people came to me, and they're like, um, you know, we've been following you for a while. Uh, we would like to produce a story about Gamergate uh, for TV. And uh, I, I should tell you, I've turned this same thing down, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, because everybody wants to do like tragedy porn, right? You know, like a woman in danger, melodrama, it's my own life and I don't care at this point, right? So I was getting really ready to say no. And they're like, well, uh, we're curious what kind of show would you like to pitch? If, if, you know, you could co-produce us, like what, what do you have in mind? And I pitched them something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Uh, you know, when January 6th happened, the New York Times noted that uh, a lot of what we saw with the insurrection started with Gamergate. It was the same tactics of disinformation with the big lie. And, you know, as many people have noted, you can draw the line directly from Gamergate to anti-vaxxers to 
Christchurch to a lot of the disinformation ecosystem that we're, we're living in. So uh, I was like, I want to kind of tell a story, an origin story about how our politics got to be this bad and, you know, tell a story about online radicalization. And hopefully people that are caught up in the anti-vax movement can see shades of what's happening in themselves. Uh, so I pitched that story that's, you know, less focused on what happened to me, but more about the, the dynamics and they loved it. Uh, and, uh, I signed a deal with them, uh, to produce this. And, uh, we're on the front page of deadline this week. Uh, we've got major, yeah, very cool. So that's kind of what we're doing. You know, a lot of these Hollywood deals, uh, they don't end up happening. So I'm, you know, I'm not counting on anything. But it's very interesting, like working with a whole, you know, Hollywood caliber production team to write it and sell it and, you know, plot out the whole first season. I'm, it's interesting either way, because I'm kind of getting a, an upfront view about how TV shows are made. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. I, and I, I, um, I like that it's not taking the typical, like you said, kind of like, uh, you know, tragedy porn approach. Um, and, and I, I like that they're getting your insight onto this, uh, frankly, mm-hmm. too, because they, they wouldn't have to. I mean, they, they could adapt this without you. So, right. uh, um, or, or anybody else involved. Um, they, they're, you know, uh, law and order did other people did people could do a straight up adaptation with, without having to involve. I, I'm at looking all. at a book on my bookshelf right now. There's a woman that wrote an entire novel and wrote me up and said, Hey, uh, I was so inspired by you. I wrote a whole novel about based on what happened to you. And I was very gracious. I was like, sure, that's, that's fine. I, I haven't read it yet, but you know, I'm a public figure. You right. Know? So, you didn't get mad and sue her. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and then get the group, her, her group, her private group chats, um, right. uh, made part of the public record and then, um, pitch the story about how you were, you were, your um, you know, were an inspiration to a fictional story. Um, <laughs> didn't then pitch, pitch that to the New York times and, and bring the drama to everyone. That's what you're saying. That, that's correct. I'm okay. So, like so, so you, you, you are not a bad art friend. Um, sorry yes. for the, for the, for the, for the listeners out there. This was some, um, a uh, very fun, uh, media fodder this week. There's a, a New York times, um, a magazine article called bad art friend. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, that's what we're subtweeting as it's we're talking epic and trashy and amazing. It's so good. I'm, I'm going to link it. to that in the show notes. Like that almost became dessert, but the, the Aussie media thing is, is, is too good. Ooh. But, 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 but bad art friend is, uh, is really good. So, um, uh, so congrats on that. Um, now kind of moving, you, you're talking about disinformation and talking about, Ooh. uh, the things that kind of led into the <laughs> instruction. That's actually a perfect segue that we did not plan into talking about the Facebook whistleblower. And so last month, at the end of last month, the Wall Street Journal started publishing something called the Facebook Files. And this was pretty extraordinary because this was leaks coming from within Facebook that was showing that their own research basically indicated uh, that a lot of the decisions that they make as a company, or at least seems to indicate that a lot of the decisions they make as a company to uh, 
you know, uh, design their algorithms to, to make for higher engagement and and higher amounts of, you know, time on site and whatnot actually lead to very bad things. You know, young girls on Instagram, uh, you know, does terrible things for their mental health. Their own research shows this. Uh, it also shows that, you know, um, people who are outraged and upset spend more time on their site if they are given an algorithm of things to be mad about. Uh, these are things that we've heard about before, but this was actually documents coming from inside showing that Facebook's own research teams we're seeing that. Well, you know, Facebook was understandably pretty upset with these leaks, uh, and no one really knew who was behind this. And the person behind this, uh, who was a former Facebook, um, uh, 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 I think she was like a program manager. Um, she wor- she was a researcher. She worked on their integrity team, uh, which, which was disbanded after the election. Uh, she left the company in April. Her name is uh, Frances um, Hogan, and uh, I think I'm saying that right. And she came forward. Uh, revealed her her face, her name, and uh, is calling herself a whistleblower. She was on 60 Minutes on Sunday and then testified uh, in front of Congress this week about what she's seen and and her thoughts about Facebook. So this is kind of a bombshell for a trillion-dollar company where you have somebody who she got tens of thousands of pages that, that she ciphered out of the company before she left. And she'd clearly seen enough things that bothered her and, and said – this isn't right. And 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 this has been likened uh, by a lot of people to, you know, Philip Morris and, and the tobacco companies and the things that happened uh, there throughout the, the, the 60s through the, the 90s, frankly. Um, uh, Brie, kind of what, what are your big thoughts and your big kind of takeaways from both uh, the whistleblower, her, her um, uh, what the information revealed, and um, I guess also her testimony in front of Congress? Well, I think the the Wall Street Journal reporting on this, you know, it's uh, Wall Street Journal is really expensive to subscribe to. It's like thirty dollars a month. Yeah, right? it's, it's, it's so, like three or four hundred dollars a year. It's not an, it, an expensive it's paper. Yeah, it's crazy. And there, there are a few pieces a year that make that bitter pill worth it. Their their Facebook reporting was so unbelievably good that you know I was it, it helped me feel better about that decision because it was so high quality, um, and now. Now we kind of get a look at where those documents were coming from. Um, like just amazing, like firsthand knowledge of, of research, just some amazingly damning things. And now that Ms. Hogan has come forward, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I'm amazed by how coherent and thoughtful and non-reactive and just what a great, uh, frankly, spokesperson she is on this issue. You know, she hasn't come at it from a point where I will admit I fall into, like, Facebook sucks, I hate Facebook. Uh, she she says very openly, I love Facebook, Yep. Uh, but I keep seeing these problems. They're not going to be able to fix themselves. We need Congress to act. And I thought she was incredibly smart to take these complaints and pass them to uh, basically the Justice Department. Yeah, the SEC. Yeah, Attorney General and and the SEC using whistleblower things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. I I agree because that's how she can, uh, I guess, uh, this is what her lawyers are hoping to indemnify herself, you know, from from taking, you know, um, privileged information Mm-hmm. Um, the Dodd-Frank Act allows employees to do that if it's something that is part of an SEC investigation or something else. Um, so yeah, you're right. Um, one thing about her, and I, you touched on this, this is really interesting to me. What I appreciate about her perspective, and this differs from my own opinion somewhat, but I actually think this is maybe the best way to do this. She's not coming at this from a strong policy perspective or from a strong ideological perspective. 
which I actually think works better in this case. I actually feel like trying to hammer things down from and having like a whistleblower who's very ideological and has a very strong policy bent and a, a very strong perspective about this is how the policy in, in the in the United States should be shaped to prevent these things from happening. I actually feel like that wouldn't be necessarily helpful here. I feel like the most helpful thing is to have someone who, as you said, by her own admission, you know, love the company, doesn't believe that the people there are working with malice intent, which is not something I think a lot of us would agree with. I think that some of us would say, well, you know, they're they're actively ignoring things, but she doesn't see that people are are being actively malevolent. She just thinks that they're they're making trade-offs and decisions that are are harmful. Um and and that to me was really interesting. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. And she's I, I think it's so smart because she's putting the pressure on them in multiple ways. Like she's 60 minutes, yeah, Wall Street Journal leaking documents, talking before Congress, and putting forward these lawsuits at the same time, while really directly talking about something we've said on Rocket for years, Christina, which is Facebook is morally incapable of reacting to this and adjusting course. Every single time, they're going to pick profit over the company. She said something I thought was just so insightful, which was she had seen people just ground down, try to take this on and just get ground into dust time after time after time. And that just rang so true to me. Uh, what? How did you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, no, I agreed. And that, it was interesting, that actually aligned with some earlier Wall Street Journal reporting, which was not based on any of her leaks. She left the company in April, and it seems like she was kind of planning on on knowing that she was going to have to leave. Um, she moved to another place, and, and they weren't going to let her work like remotely from where she wanted to go. She knew she was going to leave, and then she made, uh, according to her 60 Minutes interview, like seemed like she had a pretty dedicated plan, like, I've seen some stuff I'm going to go through. I'm going to make sure that I get the stuff that needs to be out, out. Um, so, but, but this was something that, you know, was was relatively recent, I guess we could say, you know, the last few months that she's been getting this information to reporters to vet and and she's been talking with lawyers and, and getting in front of Congress. Whereas there's reporting from, I think at this point, two years ago within the Wall Street Journal where they were talking about this same exact thing, where these problems that we've seen again and again um, you know, have, have people been trying to solve them and then they aren't given the resources to do it. They aren't given the leeway to do it because it's not a focus area, because it's it's something that fundamentally it seems like at least like from what we can see based on the reporting and, and what she's saying, it's like, OK, well, if this like results, if the way to fix it is to do things that will decrease our profits or decrease like the metrics we've set for ourselves, that is how we can show Wall Street or other people our, our profits, then we don't want to dedicate resources to it because right. that goes against our own interests. So I'm curious, what have you felt Facebook, have you felt like Facebook's response in the press and on social media has been uh, effective with this? No. I mean, they brought out the same kind of playbook that they always do, right? Like uh, they have their head of comms uh, retweeting some some 
attacks I felt veered into sexism, frankly. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, she had no direct reports and she'd right. never been at the company. Like really minimizing someone who's clearly, to anyone watching this, a very impressive uh, professional woman, right? Right. Uh, and, and and like, and, and she doesn't need that. I mean, Edward Snowden didn't have direct reports and, and right. wasn't working on those things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, like that's not typically how these things work. Uh, she she's is intelligent enough to be able to read the data the same as anyone else, <laughs> see that there's a problem there because she is a data scientist, and then you know exfiltrate the documents. Yeah, I think that their response has been bad. Uh, I, Zuck uh, posted a, a, a letter to employees yesterday, uh, as we record this on Wednesday, so this was Tuesday, and then also posted it on his page where he made this typical platitudes and his typical kind of remarks about things, and and he didn't do what the PR people will do, which is to kind of attack her credibility and whatnot. Instead, he, because he's, it's an employee, it's an email rather written to employees that is obviously written to be public, which is why it's posted publicly. You know, he's talking about how people, I know you feel upset seeing these things maybe taken out of context or shared and whatnot. And, and that's probably the right approach because I'm sure there are plenty of people internally at Facebook who feel like, you know, uh, not great seeing a lot of, of, private company information out there for the taking, especially since uh, as good as the reporting I think in the journal has been, I think it's also fair to say that as people go into those things, they're going to lack nuance and context and and other stuff that if you're in it, you see. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's been effective, right? Like it's um, at this point, I mean, I think that she was very poised in 60 Minutes. She was very poised with her congressional testimony it didn't help. Uh, I mean, there's so many conspiracy theories about this. I, I think that it was just a coincidence, but it didn't help. Facebook had its worst outage um, in years on on Monday, I guess it was, you know, after this broke where literally every single Facebook service, uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, was down for hours on, on Monday. And that included the internal services too. So even people working at the company couldn't access things. It didn't help that, you know, that was happening uh, in the wake of, of of all of this kind of reveal, right? So in terms of them getting their messaging out there, the timing wasn't uh, wasn't ideal. It's funny for us, but it certainly wasn't wasn't ideal for Facebook. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And I do you I I don't I want to be clear, I don't believe this, but I also don't not believe this. Like it just seems really suspicious to me that as you know these nine devastating complaints and if you go through and actually read them, they are just so well documented and brilliant complaints that she's filed. Uh if if you read those it just seems so suspicious to me that like the very next day that all this is happening, the subject has changed from holy crap, Facebook is doing some terrible things to Facebook is down. Ha ha ha. Like it's just I I know it's probably not connected, but oh, if it doesn't look bad. No, right? I was it, totally. I mean, like I, I I don't think it was connected. I think that that would almost be like too obvious it's and honestly it's not even so much that i feel like that that it would be beneath the company to do that because i don't i just feel like it'd be too obvious right i feel like that's one of those things where it's like okay so you're gonna take down your entire like site everything um no one can do anything including your internal stuff so that you can i don't know try to like wipe stuff off your servers i'm not even sure what what the rationale there would be you know right after this damning information comes out uh, like that seems like too obvious, right? I I, I do yeah. think that it was just a coincidence. Like I I feel like it uh it's a great narrative 
and and it's funny but i but i but i i think the fact that we even had that conversation semi seriously where you do kind of wonder well did someone you know do this on purpose or not i don't actually think they did to be clear but you know you 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 have that thought in the back of your mind and i think the fact that you have the thought in the back of your mind on the one hand, maybe it says that we're all really cynical. On the other hand, I think that that just kind of shows the level of trust that Facebook as a brand has with so many consumers. Yeah, I think that's dead on, 100%. I, you just don't trust them. It's that simple. Don't trust them. All right. So we'll be following this more. Um, we've got links in our show notes in, in, uh, for um, you know uh, the 60 Minutes interview, which is really good. Um, the uh, Facebook files on, on Wall Street Journal and um, the other reporting, as well as some takeaways from her uh, congressional testimony. More stuff about this is going to come out. This is you know, really unbelievable. I think there, more reporting is going to come out on this too. So, so stay tuned. We'll be talking about this more. But this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they've got you covered. So Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You'll start with a professionally designed template and use drag and drop tools to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a couple of clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile, which is great. Uh, Your content automatically adjusts so it'll look great on any device. And you'll also get free unlimited hosting on top of uh, top of the line security and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, they'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. So uh, you have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas out there. So you can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website. You can showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, which Simone has talked about before, how much she loves those. You can publish your next blog post. You can promote your business. You can announce an upcoming event and much, much more. Uh, I've used Squarespace in the past to like host a podcast. It's a really easy way of doing that. It's a really good uh, environment and interface. Uh, it's really easy to do, no maintenance, not having to worry about, you know, have I upgraded my server stuff? Have have does Is everything running the latest security updates? Has everything been configured correctly? No, it's just run and done. So head to squarespace.com slash rocket for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code rocket to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So that is squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use that offer code rocket to save 10% on your first purchase and to show uh, your support for Rocket. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, so how much of this um, of the, the, the Twitch uh, hack have you been following? All of it. All, all right. of it. All of it. It's, I, uh, I love Hassan. I love Hassan and watching Hassan get all the fallback fallout. I just love all of it. So, so Twitch was hacked, and and Twitch wasn't just <laughs> hacked. It was hacked, hacked, hacked. Like I, it was like 135 uh, gigabytes or something like yep. that uh, of uh, the size, basically the entire website 
uh, like the internal website. So all their AWS configuration stuff, um, uh, you know, uh, logins and passwords, the way the website is set up, uh, encrypted um, passwords, which they're encrypted so people can't break them. But you should change your passwords anyway and turn on two-factor authentication if you're a Twitch user, especially if you're a streamer, you should change your passwords. Uh, just giving people a heads up on that right now. I hope that Twitch actually enforces people do that. Um Stuff was leaked in terms of like how much streamers make um, plans for like think like a Valve competitor were leaked. There's just been there's been a lot of stuff. Um, so what's what's kind of been your people are still sifting through this information. Twitch has confirmed that this is a legitimate leak, um, and uh, you know I, I'm certainly not recommending anybody actually out there uh, go through that information at all. Uh, but but journalists and people are, are going through that now. Um, so we'll have more stuff. I'm sure will be emerging over the next few days. But what has struck out to you that's been the most interesting um, that we've we've heard so far as the stuff is still kind of breaking? Well, first of all, people seem to be shocked that when you give people you watch on Twitch money, that they're rich <laughs> if they're right. popular. <laughs> that 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 just that seems to be something that surprises people and i don't know why uh that would surprise you um i was really surprised to see just how few women are making or like on the leaderboard there was a, a site that came out that popped up from this of everyone that's making money and like ranking it and like uh i was really surprised how low pokemane was on there like she's a crazy level of talent and and she's only making like 1.5 million a year, which seems really, really low to me. So uh, I was just really, really surprised that you know, with all the the this discourse around Twitch and you know, oh, hot tub streamers and oh, girls pretending to game and you know, now it's the dudes over here making bank. That was kind of my takeaway. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and it's interesting. I mean, obviously, this is just the revenue that they're making directly from the Twitch platform. It doesn't right. include you know sponsors. Yep. It doesn't include anything else. I think that someone like Pokimane especially would be someone who would be able to do much better on like the the sponsor side than maybe mm -hmm. some of the um maybe not much better but I, I could see her making as much maybe several times what she makes directly from you know uh twitch subs and and tips from you know uh, uh sponsors as, as she could you know, that way. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like, it's been interesting because there has been this whole discourse about, you know, Twitch thoughts and the whole thing with that. And and, and frankly, the, the sexist community that uh, not to, like, I'm not trying to, I guess, generalize with Twitch, but I think mm -hmm. that there's a certain component of it where I think, you know, the majority of the audience, I think, is male. And and you see mm -hmm. from the people who are making money that they're they're men. And it's interesting, as you say, that there's been all this, this just mind-numbing discourse over the years about, you know, um, you know, women who who are streamers and whether you know what they're doing should be allowed or not or or whether Twitch is doing enough for for this group or that group and and really what it comes down to as you said is that the people who make the money are are the dudes and are are kind of the the core gamers they're they're the people who are making the money I I can't pronounce her name but Amaranth like the the woman that like kind of started the hot tub craze yeah. like she works out a lot like like respectfully she earns that money so more power to you uh so that was one of my thoughts with it also like code miko do you know code miko do you watch her channel at I all? don't I don't <gasps> This is this is freaking genius, Christina. So you have a woman that kind of has a background in the game industry, and she went and got a whole mocap suit 
and she created like a uh, like a, a a Twitch character that's a video game character, and then she invites other. So she's a video game character, like a person in a mocap suit, uh, and she does like a talk show where she brings in other streamers and interviews them, and she's just got the most offbeat, amazing, funny sense of humor. Code Miko is amazing, crazy talent. She's making $300,000 a year from Twitch, which is just crazy. That's her rig must cost that much. So, uh, yeah, that again, this is my thought. Like, I hate that people got doxxed, uh, and you know, like Hassan, uh, is just getting a crazy amount of a blowback, especially from being doxxed. I, mean, I don't know if you followed all the discourse about his house, like, oh, shocker, like someone did well on a platform and bought a very nice house in Los Angeles to live in with his family. Oh my God. And it costs $3 million. Let's tear him down because he's a progressive, right? Yeah. You know what? Progressives like nice things, you know, like like, give me a break. Well, also like, which way is it, right? Like, is, is it the, Mm -hmm. the liberal elites are like, like the liberals are rich and whatnot or, or that they're supposed to be paupers? Like, what is it? Right. Like, like, how are you going to criticize people? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like to me, it seems like a really dumb thing to go after people for making money, uh, especially if they pay their taxes, which is more than we can say for a lot of the billionaires out there frankly so like like you know i I don't i don't make that kind of money but i pay 42 percent you know share taxes or something crazy like that Uh, you know what i mean so 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 like yeah you know i'm 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 hardly gonna like apologize or feel bad or or ask anybody else to feel bad you know these people who are are making especially the amount of time and effort they put into this because these aren't careers where you can take time off easily right where you have right. a lot of benefits where the this is a grind uh this is why like we've seen this on on twitch and, and also on youtube you see people burning out but yeah i think it's unfortunate people have been doxxed um i have so many questions about i guess the security standards that were in place for this to happen mm-hmm. um not to blame like the victims at all but i really hope that that they do like a very very big security audit after this because this is one of those hacks and it's interesting there have been a few in the last couple of weeks uh the domain registrar epic not to be confused with the game company epik they were they were hacked and and they were epically hacked <laughs> to, to use uh, a, a obvious pun in insofar as <laughs> there were actually bootable copies of the server that people got. Right. Like, so you could actually load up a VM, like an image of the server and access the entire company's everything. Like it, it was bad. Like every single thing was, was, was exposed. And then this, obviously, you know, um, a, a lot of stuff is encrypted and, and that's good. And it doesn't seem like any, you know, personal information other than maybe people's like addresses and stuff that were in other forms, but it doesn't seem like, you know, people's payment informations or, or, you know, user stuff was, uh, um, you know, compromised, but the amount of stuff that was, again, like hug ops to to the people working at Twitch because this is supposed to be a terrible day for them and also for the streamers. I mean, this isn't this is obviously fun for us to be able to see the the goss and the tea, but uh, I have to I have to be honest. Like, part of me, like I, I I feel for the people who are like on call who are trying to deal with cleaning this sort of thing up because, wow. Yeah, it's kind of, it's almost like a bad ad 
for Amazon S3 service, right? Because, you know, like that's what Twitch is built on, right? And and it's 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 not like a small website. It's not like, I mean, even Facebook, it's legacy code built on legacy code built on legacy code. I mean, Twitch, you would think that that would be reasonably secure. Maybe they can configure something correctly. Clearly, on, on something wasn't configured right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think this necessarily represents poorly on AWS. I think that, you know, it represents maybe poorly on who was in search of, of security yeah. and, and, and whatnot and securing some of these things, unless it comes out that this was an internal thing, which if that was the mm-hmm. case, then that's different. We, we don't know the nature of this, you know, how, how this information was exfiltrated. Uh, but if it was kind of going through a security thing, then that's, I mean, I think it's a reminder that we should all kind of be thinking about, which is a lot of these services that we rely on and that we think of as being very secure and having their ish together. A lot of these big companies, and I include the company that I work for, humans are running these things at the end of the day. And um, as you said, you know, sometimes it's legacy stuff. Sometimes it's older things. You know, Twitch was an acquisition. So you you wonder, you know, how much stuff, um, you know, has been audited and whatnot. And and it's uh, it's uh, certainly some really interesting information has come out of it. But um, I feel I really feel for all the all the <laughs> DevOps engineers and, and the site reliability engineers and the the security people who are dealing with this. And, and for anybody like Hassan, who's you know, had their personal information doxxed and then people are, are treating them uh, poorly because they dare to have a $3 million house in Los Angeles, which, to be fair, is an expensive home, but it's mm-hmm. not overly expensive, right? Like, that's, like, if you saw the home, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, that's a, you know, ridiculous mansion. You'd be like, oh, that's a nice house. You know, it, right. it's, it's not like $26 million, you know, like um, a penthouse apartments in New York City or or $50 million, like, you know, um, palatial, like, like, you know, uh, Beller mansions, you know what I mean? Like in, in, in the grand scheme of things, like it's, uh, sadly because of the state of the, the housing market, like, yeah, okay. That's, that's like a, you know, probably 10 or $11,000 a month mortgage, which yeah. is a lot, but certainly like something that people could kind of like conceive of. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not $30 million. A hundred percent. And you know, for me, I am personally not socialist at all. I, I I just am not. I, I agree with many of the critiques of capitalism, but I'm not on the socialism train remotely. And but like Hassan is. And I I think it's so ridiculous the the, the people that expect him to not be able to have a house or to buy a nice house or to make money. And they're like, why don't you just give it all away? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? It's like, it's just so ridiculous. You can have a set of beliefs in a flawed system and, 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 and yet make and enjoy your life within that flawed system, right? I see just no disconnect there. And I no, just, not at all. It's just petty jealousy, to be honest. Not at all. I mean, yeah, okay. So he made over $200,000 in September is what it showed. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Good for him, right? Like, to me, it's like that, that I'm with you. Like, I don't, I, it's bothersome to me so much times, those of us, and I, I say the us because I guess this is where I tend to align more ideologically than, you know, on the other end, but, but I I don't align this way, uh, similar to you, you know, where, you Mm -hmm. know, people like want to, you know, kind of come down on anybody for existing within the system that we exist in. Like, 
like right. you, I'm not a socialist. Um, I, I'm, I'm a pretty comfortable capitalist. I, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I am a member of the DSA and, and I, I support taxes and I support having a safety net, but I, I don't, you know, um, like if anything, I would say, okay, like, like, you know, the, the Netherlands type of system, you know, that would be Sweden. Those would be things that I would be more in favor of if we were going to have reforms, but also we live in the system that we live in. And, right. and so I think it's, it's, it becomes a little bit ridiculous and hypocritical, frankly, to ask people just because they have certain beliefs and they espouse to want to change things a certain way that they somehow not live in the society that they live in. It's, yeah, it's, it's, this, it's the same more. way you know, people critiquing, you know, AOC about uncertain things. It's like, yes, yeah, she can have policy positions and, and certain things, but you can't expect her to not live in the world that she lives in because 100%. this is the world that exists. And, and, and to pretend like we all have to be so perfect and we all have to be so, you know, above like any sort of, of you know, no one, there's no, no person who will be perfect enough or woke enough. You know what I mean? And I feel like it, it, it I don't know, arguing about that stuff takes away from uh, bigger uh, things we could focus on and, and fight against than whether or yeah. not someone who's successful and is paying 40% in taxes a year, which, which Hassan most certainly is, uh, you know, uh, like it's like, okay, you know, like it, it, he's making a lot of money. He's also paying a ton of money to, uh, to, to taxes and, and to fees and to other things. So. AOC looked gorgeous in that dress. She just did. flat out gorgeous. Like, she did. Just, it was a great look. You know, I'm not saying it was a great message, but you know, if someone invited me to go to the Met Gala and I got to like have a designer do a dress for me. Hell yeah, I'd say yes to that. I mean, she is a she's a she's in her early 30s. Like she's let her enjoy her life. I just thought that was ridiculous too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if it were me, I probably wouldn't have opted to have that message on the dress, but you know, <laughs> like, honestly, I would have, I would have picked something else for maybe the, the theme, but I also get that that's what the purpose was is she wanted to get the brand mm-hmm. out there. So yeah, you, you go, you do it. But yeah, well, more, uh, more information I'm sure will be leaking from this. There'll be more stuff out there. Don't dox people. Don't harass people. Nope. Don't be jerks to people, but also maybe like, let's look for other, uh, other tea and gossip, um, exploits that might come out of this because <laughs> we're, we're all a fan of that. Can't wait. All right. So now it is time for dessert. Brianna Wu, be honest with me. Before last week, had you ever heard of Aussie Media? Nope. Yeah, I think that I had like once or twice, only <laughs> in the sense that I remember seeing headlines about them, trying to pretend like they were something that they, I, I never really checked out the website. I didn't know anything about them, but I might have tangentially, minorly been been aware of the site. But uh, Aussie Media, uh, which was founded by uh, uh, Carlos Watson, who's a former uh, brief MSNBC host, and he's he's been on other networks too. And this this guy Samir Rao, it was a media company founded in 2013, where they wanted to be like like Gen X sort of politics things, which. You know what? That was an interesting thing to do in 2013, which was kind of the height of the, the <laughs> Mashable, BuzzFeed, Mike, all that stuff, which was all about mil- all about millennials, I might add, all about woke millennials. And this was all about woke Gen X, which, okay, cool. Can, can I just, I know you don't identify as Gen X I'm the not way Gen X. I do. I, I'm a millennial, we, but yeah. We, we have 
we have a media system for us. It's the New York Times, right. the Washington Post. It, it, it was what it, 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 it was at one point MTV, you know, like which, right. which which changed. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, I'm just saying like at this point, like all the millennial brands are now like trying to pivot to, to Gen Z brands, which is the proof that millennials are old now. Um, but but it, I just think it's funny that in 2013, when this media company was started, that that was like the audience they were going after. It was like, Okay. And and part of me can honestly kind of see it because it's like, okay, well, who would that have been in 2013? That would have been, you know, like um, uh, women, because um, I think a lot of their audience is women, but uh, men and women in, in their early 40s. And, um, uh, you know, some of them may be in their 30s, but but a lot of them would have been in their early 40s. And so like like Facebook moms, Facebook parents, I get that that could be like your target thing. It's just funny to, to, to present that as Gen X. But yeah, so this media company New, uh, uh, at the New York Times and the media equation column, Ben Smith, the media columnist, wrote a post. Uh, now this was like a week and a half ago, basically sharing one of the most insane like things I've ever heard, which was, so it was Aussie media, uh, this guy, Carlos Watson and this other guy, Samir Rao, they formed this company Nobody's ever really heard of it, but they apparently have a ton of big sponsors who work with them. And they've also raised money. Uh, how much I think is actually probably an open question. They claim over 80 million. Given everything we're going to talk about, I have questions about what that figure is, but they have <laughs> raised money definitively from uh, Lorraine Powell Jobs and Emerson Collective, Ron Conway. Uh, they they raised money, I believe, from Goldman Sachs. They'd raised money from you know a lot of other institutions um, they had big partnerships with big brands like Chevrolet and and uh, you know T-Mobile and and um, other you know big campaigns. They were on the phone. This this uh, anecdote was reported in the New York Times um, with someone from Goldman Sachs um, and someone uh, allegedly from YouTube, and talking, I guess, about their metrics and about some sort of partnership that they were going to be doing an exclusive partnership with YouTube for some sort of video series, and. Uh, first, uh, you know, somebody joins the call and says, Hey, I'm having issues getting on, on the zoom. So can we, you know, join through teleconference instead? And then they're on the teleconference and something sounds weird with the YouTube representative's voice. And it, it seems odd to the Goldman Sachs people. And it turns out that the person speaking on behalf of YouTube was not an actual YouTube executive, but was Samir Rao, the, the co-founder and, and COO of um, Aussie, using a voice, um, a, a, like a, you know, a adjustment uh, device to, um, to, to change voice changer, pretending to be an executive at YouTube so that he could try to sell and get the Goldman Sachs people on board to invest more money based on a lie, basically. I appreciate the hustle. I mean, he should go to jail. I mean, if this is true, I, he's but. not. He's not going to go to jail. But I agree, right? Like, if they invested money, maybe. But like, the, the Goldman Sachs people figure something was weird. They reached out to YouTube. The YouTube is like, I'm sorry. Who are you? What What are we talking about? I have no idea what who this person is or what we're talking about. But yeah, I, I, part of me sort of admires the hustle. Part of me is also like, this is just categorically insane. The most insane thing, though, is the response of the company is not to say, um, co-founder, you're fired. This is unacceptable. This is obviously terrible. This is not okay. But instead, they're saying, "Oh, well, Samir was having a mental health crisis, and it was a one-time thing, and he's he's gone and he's dealt with his issues, and we're very proud of him, and and we've welcomed him back with open arms, and and it was just a blip, and and that was just a small thing. Don't worry about it." 
Um, but that was an anecdote that kind of led off to, to Ben Smith kind of asking the question, like, how big is this company and how have they managed to continue to raise the funding they claim that they've raised, have the profile they claim to have when no one's ever heard of them? When you look at their engagement, uh, their their views on YouTube are almost non-existent. And the ones that are good, it, it turns out they are are from promotional, um, like pre-roll buys, which um, you can do. You can basically just take like an hour-long video and you can make it an ad and, and make it part of a pre-roll and, and that'll count towards your views. So you can basically do you know paid media that way? They've also very clearly, in in, in my opinion, um, when you look at their Instagram um, uh, followers and you look at like their uh, the uh, I guess um um their their follower count, like it, it went way 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 up. Uh, coincidentally timed with with um I guess big brand activations, where it, to me it seems completely obvious that they bought followers because the engagement's not there. So if they have you know like seven hundred and fifty thousand followers, and then they put a post out there, and the post gets like thirty likes. That means yep. you bought those followers. Those followers are fake. Yep. Um, there, there have been other things too. It turned out like they were claiming that the Carlos Watson show was like uh, the first Amazon Prime talk show. No, it has nothing to do with Amazon Prime. And Amazon was even like, you have to stop using that language. They just used Amazon self-service platform where you could upload your own videos to, to Prime. Uh, they they tried to make claims that it was an official kind of YouTube um, show, YouTube, you know, premium was not part of that. They lied to people. They booked on the Carlos Watson show and said that it was going to be distributed and, and aired on A&E. Even the producers working on the show thought that that was the case. No, they never had a deal with A&E. Uh, it, it was just going on YouTube. So, you know, for them to to um, sell, um, you know, to do paid uh, paid views on. Um, you know, the, they, they would have quotes like, like Carlos Watson is, 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 you know, the best interviewer on television and have it a quoting like the, the Los Angeles times when really what that was, is that was a quote coming from Samir Rao talking about his, his colleague and co-founder, uh, Carlos Watson, uh, in an interview that appears in the, in the LA times, but the LA times isn't actually saying that, uh, this, the same thing with, you know, someone comparing him as it's like, you know, Anderson Cooper meets Oprah. These are things that people at, Ozzy have said about Ozzy that then they quote to make it look like these big publications have said uh, they, they, you know, talk about all these people who who attend their their festival. Turns out, you know, people were like paid to show up at the festival and and they gave a lot of tickets out. And and so it, this whole thing was just basically uh, I'm not going to say a total scam because the company exists and there were employees and there was content, but the numbers and everything behind it just completely dead. So Ben Smith publishes the story Sunday night. Um, by Friday, the company, they announced they're, they're, they're done. They're shutting down. It's dead. Uh, and then over the weekend, Carlos Watson is like, actually, I've been hearing from investors. We're back up and running. We're, 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 we're back, baby. And the employees who already, uh, you know, poor employees in this, they're, they're like, wait, wait, what's happening? Uh, you didn't even tell us what our severance would be or if we would have severance. Now you're saying the company is not being shut down. Carlos Watson has no information on that, although he did um, have to uh, talk with Andrew Ross Sorkin of CNBC, admitting to the fact that they lied about the A&E uh, distribution deal. And in fact, they lied to Andrew Ross Sorkin to get him on the show because he thought it was going to be on, on A&E and, and it, it was not. Um, and he claims that he's working with investors and it's going to be coming back. But yet some investors are suing. Other investors are like, we haven't been on the board in years. We don't know what they're talking about. They're using our names without our, our knowledge. Uh, apparently, they're- How been- about Sharon Osbourne? Uh, this yes. was the crazy oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell us about this. This was great. 
so long story short, uh, Sharon Osborne, and correct me if I'm wrong here because I don't have this in front of me, but uh, she was approached at some point about investing. She said no. They went ahead. They claimed she was an investor, and the company started putting uh, her oh, no, name it, oh, on oh, decks. No, it's e- yeah. Oh, no, it's even worse. It's even worse. Oh, okay. So, yeah. okay, so they have a festival, and I got a T-shirt because for, for my yep. spot collection, a, a staff shirt, I should say, from Aussie Fest. 2018, they had a festival that they called Aussie Fest. Right. There was, uh, for many years, a concert series, the kind of heavy metal uh, rock rap thing called OzFest that Sharon Osbourne, Ozzy Osbourne, put on. Sharon Osbourne is obviously the head of all that stuff. And so she was like, this, 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 um, this mark is too similar, especially for a concert. You can't use this. They came to an agreement that basically said, okay, you can use the name, but you can't have any rock artists. You can't have any rap artists. Like, like there are certain provisions. Then once they started to book some like rap artists or, or whatever around it, she was like, no, 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 no. You, you can't use this name. This is this is infringing right. on our trademark. So they came to an agreement where I think they basically um, either agreed to pay her money or they did something else. She certainly never invested in them. They came to some sort of agreement. And the way that he then told the story was that she went from being mad at him to investing in the right. company. Right. And then she's like, I've never met him in my life. I don't know who this person is other than the fact that we told them to stop infringing on our trademark. Um, and uh, so but so he just like, blatantly like lied on on television. I mean, like, oh, yeah, Sharon Osbourne went from a hater to an investor. She's like, I'm sorry, what? Who are you? Like I'm sharing F and Osborne. Like you don't, you don't, you don't do this to me. Right. Um, it's stunning. And the thing is, Carlos Watson is so good. He was on. Uh, he was on Breakfast Club with Charlemagne. And uh, disclosure, Charlemagne is an, an investor. investor in it. <laughs> right. But he's explaining this, and this is how you know he's a really he's really good at what he does. Because as he's explaining it to Charlemagne, like I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, I know this is. I know this is a conflict of interest. I know all these facts in my mind that this is just a show. And yet I find myself believing him (laughs) as I'm watching it. And I'm like, no, that's... He's uh, a liar. Everything he says is a lie. No, it's interesting because, yeah, he's not a bad broadcaster. I don't think he's... I think he's a good liar. I think he's a better liar than he is maybe broadcaster interviewer, but but he certainly is is talented. But what it seems like more and more, like the more that you we've dug into this company and like we've heard from like employees who used to work there and you know, people who like worked uh, ridiculous um hours um for for not great pay. They even had like a 20% pay cut because of the pandemic and all kinds of other things. It seems like the vast majority of this thing really was all about like propping up a vanity project for Carlos Watson and trying to make the right. Carlos Watson show a thing. And I'm like, sir, like <laughs> um you're shot uh, like I, I, I'm I'm not trying to be mean here, but like your shot to, to have this chance was probably when you were before you were fired from MSNBC like 14 years mm-hmm. ago. So, I, you know, like not to say you can't do your own thing and, and, and create like your own like brand and whatnot, but like your your, you know, aspirations of being, you know, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, like that kind of thing, like. I don't think that's happening for you, at least right. the way this is going. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's stunning to me because, like you say, he is charismatic. Because how else he he's able to book these people and like get very smart, powerful people to give him money? Like, uh, it, it's uh, I kind of admire the hustle, and I'm honestly kind of like, wow, you're just a straight up sociopath. Like, 
like, and, and we're watching it happen. Like, like you said, like I watched, the, I didn't watch the whole Charlemagne interview, but I was watching part of it. And I was like, I was kind of with you. I was like, he is complete and total pathological liar, but he's convincing. And if, right. and if you didn't know all these things that have been pointed out, like you, you could be suckered into this. Fascinating. Yeah, 100%. Crazy company. Uh, I do not think it will ever be my source of uh, Gen X media. <laughs> yeah. But uh, will you but, go to uh, Aussie Fest 2022 if that happens? Uh, for the just to to see all the disaster that will happen next time I can go to a fire fest. I'm I'm signing up. Yeah, right? yeah that was actually a, we'll have links in the show. That was actually a thing that I think it was I think it was Forbes who put something to how like the the, the festival last year or um I think actually it was supposed to be this year, like was almost a disaster. Maybe it was in 2019. I don't remember what year it was, but it was almost a disaster. Uh, it was almost a fire festival proportions. The only thing that saved them was that the, uh, the mayor shut down um, all big events because of the heat. So they had a good insurance policy, which then paid them out. But otherwise like they, they apparently didn't have their stuff together, but they have apparently put on events before. I mean, that's, what's interesting about this. Like, it's not like this company didn't exist. They completely inflated their views. They completely lied about their associations. They, you know, completely like misrepresented, you know, their partners and, uh, even misrepresented their partners to, uh, to their investors, but it, it, it did exist. It's just, uh, I, wow, this is just, this is a story that when I saw the Charlemagne thing today, I was like, this is still going. This is like day, like nine, and this is still going. I'm just glad Ben Smith is continuing to cover it because I just want more. I, it to my I agree. I mean, I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to like the, the, is it going to be a podcast? Is it going to be um, like a, a YouTube series? <laughs> is it going to be like a documentary kind of like the Firefest and, or, and the Lula Rich thing? Like, like what, how are we going to get this explained to us? Like what, what media form are we going to get the Aussie um, media? Um, like I, I keep telling you, this is our beat. We should produce a Scamtown series, just Aussie and just put it out there. Just a, a, a we should, we should do this in our infinite free time. In our infinite free time that we don't have. Yeah, no, I, I would be totally down for it. I, did on Friday before they uh, uh, came back and said they weren't going out of business. I did find it. Like I said, I found a t-shirt on eBay that I bought. Their store was still open. I did place an order. I'm not sure if that'll actually go through or not, but I did actually place an order through the Aussie store to see if I could get like an official um, hilarious uh, hoodie. But regardless, I will have a t-shirt for my collection of, um, of EFTA scam town companies <laughs> so so uh listeners don't need to be afraid of that but yeah we'll have links to the show notes and this stuff is wow just uh i i i, I want to see you at aussie fest 2022 is all i'm saying Bri. we'll do it we'll, we'll, do, we'll it. do it we'll okay do it. Before before we close the show, I just want to tell our listeners, we there was so much news that came out this week. We literally could not cover it all. Windows 11 mm-hmm. is a huge story. I mean, so so I, I just want to say we did our best this week. We have a formula. We stick to it with three stories, and hopefully we will we'll have lots of uh, you know Theranos coverage and Elizabeth Holmes. You know we will be covering Windows. We just had a big show this week. Yep, we had a big show this week. But yeah, definitely. Um, if your uh, if your machine um supports it, uh, check out the new Windows. It's really good. I really like it. Mm-hmm. I've been using mm-hmm. it uh for uh for a few months now, and I really like it. So check that out. Uh, but yes, um, we had just a bunch of stuff, but we'll we'll um, cover more of these things in the coming weeks. All right, Bree, what are you up to this week? Uh, I am honestly writing a television pilot with the full Hollywood team. <laughs> Amazing. That's what I'm working on Amazing. this week. 
Amazing. I love it. I love it. I am uh, I'm working on uh, some Windows stuff. I'm also working on some Linux stuff for work. So that's really fun. And um, recovering from being sick. So, mm. so that's good. Um, and, and Simone, of course, at the theater being fancy. Oh, yeah. There was also the, the OLED Switch reviews this week. Oh, God, uh, we couldn't cover that either. We'll, we'll cover that next week. Um, and maybe more information on those will be out. But anyway, just putting that out there too. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm recovering from being sick and, and working on some uh, Windows stuff, some Linux stuff, always Mac stuff because, you know, I'm C-Mac. Uh, Bree, where can people find you online? I find me on uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter. Great. And you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitter and the Instagram. All right. Uh, thank you again to Squarespace for sponsoring this uh, podcast. And uh, rate and review the show. Oh, yeah, rate, oh, yes, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. See, <laughs> uh, if you like this episode of Rocket, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, because it really helps us out. Give us a rating and review. Give us a thumbs up, a like, you know, five stars, whatever. Give us a written review. If you don't want to give us five stars, that's fine, but at least make the review good. Like, it doesn't have to be positive. Just, like, make it, like, funny. Like, that's really all I ask for. Yeah. I read them. One of the ones that we had recently was saying it was a best show, a better show when all three of us were here. So Simone will be back. Simone, next week, Simone will be back promise. next week. The three of us will be reunited for the first time in several <laughs> weeks. Look, stuff gets crazy, and we've all been cooped up for a long time. And Simone had to go to she had to be all French and stuff, and now she has to be all fancy at the theater. So I'm going to be in like two weeks. We're going to have to record on a Wednesday otherwise, or we'll figure it. I think the show's on a Tuesday, whatever it is. I got tickets to Coldplay, not Coldplay. I got tickets to Foo Fighters and Death Cab for Cutie. Ooh. Okay. Um, That's which legit. We'll so, so we'll work around that. Also, go socks. <laughs> Thank you. It was a very good victory. Yeah, very good victory. Socks won over the, the Yankees. The Mariners blew it, but uh, they did have a pretty mir- a miraculous season. Didn't make it to the postseason. Still, you know, 20 years without a postseason. Oh, my God. Uh, Why must I live in cities that have bad baseball teams? (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, um, so go sports and whatnot. But uh, uh, have a great week, everybody. This episode is terminated. Terminated.